Radio. Jason. Yeah. I'm I'm a little nervous. Why? Uh, well, you remember we talked about that movie last week? Uh, sure. Sunday, Bloody Sunday? Great movie, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, you, you remember who was in that movie? Peter Finch, uh, that lady we like, Gwendolyn uh, Stacy, I don't know. What's uh, her Jason, name? Jason, the cameo in that movie? Cameo. The kid who was scratching the car with the glass. Oh, oh, yeah. You mean DDL. Yeah, I'm a yeah. little worried because he usually pops up. And now, is he you? Um, I would say no, but... Unfortunately, we know not to trust me or you if we say no. But, but we're both saying no right now. He's not us. Is he Jerry in the booth? Hello, fellows. Oh, shit! Where'd oh, you come from? Oh, my God. Oh, you're here. Oh, it's him. He's actually here. Whoa. Hello. Hello. That's crazy. So, okay, okay. He's he's actually here as a guest this yes. time. Yes, I am. <sighs> okay, Dan, Dan, you have to understand. We're very not at ease when, when you talk about a movie with you. You're wonderful, but you're... Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're always suspect when you show up. Well, that's understandable. Every situation I'm in socially is rather suspect. <laughs> but you saw this movie. Did you like it? We both enjoyed it a great deal. Did you know that I got paid two whole pounds to do that movie? Two whole pounds? And I scratched the car. And that was fun for you. Oh, yes. I spent six months scratching cars. I integrated myself with a, a local gang of ruffians. Oh. Yes. Um, there was Josh, and there was um, Stuart, and uh, there was also, uh, oh, Grimsby. Grimsby, yeah, yes. classic, classic. Oh, I loved Grimsby. What well, a man. You know, he's, he's dead. You see. Is he? Oh, okay. Yes, he died. He died when he was a boy. He, uh, he thought that Warfarin should be eaten. Who's warfarin? That's, that, that's a rat poison. It's warfarin. It's, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, he he thought that his body could process it, and I said, I said, Grimsby, that doesn't make any sense. And he said, Fuck off, Daniel. And I said, Okay, go ahead. And he did. That's wild. You sort of didn't. Would you say you sort of killed him? Yes, proudly. <laughs> you know, sometimes there are people that just need to leave this world. And so far, thankfully for you two. Uh. You don't have to leave yet. Oh, well, thank, thank goodness. Oh, thank God, Daniel. But that doesn't mean that those circumstances can't change. Now, Daniel, I have to tell you something. Sure, go ahead. I always I always appreciate to hear from my fans. Oh, here we go. I've been waiting so long to do this. Well, oh, go ahead and hit me. Hey, I'm Jason. I'm actually Jason. You, I've been Jason this whole time. Hey, I'm Brendan. I've been Jason this whole time. <laughs> You guys are weird. I'm leaving now. Jetpack. Psh, I'm not even dead. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Being Jason. <laughs> I'm Brendan. You guys want to talk about a movie? We're going to talk about the movie. This is for screen. And Contra. <laughs> hey, what is this? What's this? What's this uh, magic stone do? Oh, just touch this. Oh, jeez. Damn. Oh, that was horrible. Oh, that was one of the stupidest things I've ever done. Oh, oh, that was awful. 
what happened? Man, imagine <laughs> if that whole thing was a bit. That would be terrible. That'd be terrible, man. <laughs> if we'd have thought, if we'd have just planned that out, that would have been so stupid. Oh God, uh, what a what a mistake that would have been. Wait, so why are we here? Uh, we're well, Daniel Day Lewis um was here kindly, and mm-hmm. and and we we got him. We got him, Jason. We got him. We got him. Yay! But we are here to uh, record a podcast here in this apartment building mm. tonight on a, a lovely Monday night. Sure. What Monday night, you ask? We'll never tell. That's for you to guess. And you never will. No. Um, but this is a podcast, and uh, it's called For Screen. And Gunter. And on this podcast, uh, well, on this podcast, I'm Brendan. And I continue to be Jason. Just on this podcast, though. Only here. Outside of that, we're Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves. Yeah, these are just aliases we use uh, uh, so that we're not uh, recognized and we can stay at the very bottom of the podcast downloads. John Wick, am I right? Yeah, you were great in that. Thanks, Tom Cruise. I really like your religion. I'm not going to join it. Well, we'll send you pamphlets anyways. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We're fun. Yes, we are. But yes, this is a podcast called uh, For Screen and Country, and we talk about British films, Jason. Sure. What, what specific British films do we normally talk about? The top 100 films on the British Film Institute's top 100 list of all time is established in the year of our Lord, 1999, by a group of what I assume are white men. Um, white men. White men. White men. White men. And, uh, yeah, and we have watched 98 of them so far. And no. the 98th we will talk about today. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Oh, it was almost Well, we did already part. watch it. We're not, wa- we're not doing the intro before we watch the movie. We're not that far thinking ahead. Oh, uh, uh, just give me a second. Okay, I'm done with the movie. Okay, good, good. You watched it on uh, 128 times. <laughs> yeah, it was only at 26 minutes in. Nice. So I had to really speed things up. <laughs> Yes, Jason, that is what we are doing. We are talking about a film called Billy Liar. And it's number 76 on the BFI Top 100. Oh, oh, Billy Liar. (laughs) What? Oh, oh, Billy Liar, Billy Liar, Billy Liar, Billy Liar, Billy Liar, Billy Liar. Do, 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 Billy Liar, Billy Liar, do, 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 Billy Liar, Billy Liar, do, 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 oh, oh, Billy Liar. But before we talk about Billy Liar, Billy Liar, boop boop do Billy Liar, Billy Liar, do 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 Billy Liar, Billy Liar, do do oh Billy Liar. Before we talk about that, we have to read some comments about last week's movie. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Hey, you too. So, Jason. This is what we're going to do. Now, I understand before we move on to the comments, you have something you would like to address. Uh, Jason has potentially been canceled, but yeah. he's about to try and save face. Take it away, Jason. Well, you know me, Brendan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of history, uh, but I'm not a historian. So I'm occasionally wrong, uh, probably a lot wrong. But thankfully, uh, a young gentleman on Twitter uh, uh, brought to my attention that I had misspoke in the last episode. I had conflated two different bloody Sundays, sir. I had conflated that uh, the the bloody Sunday that happened in the 20s uh, with the armored car on the football pitch with the bloody Sunday that happened in the 70s, which is what we were allegedly talking about, where it was just a straight up, uh, you know, troops shooting people during a, a protest. So I apologize for messing up those two. I mean, there's a lot of bloody Sundays and I, I messed up two of them. It would have been great if you just gaslit the whole that whole time and be mm. like, you know... I think I'm right. I, I think, think it's I'm you right. that has the faulty ears. But Jason, we are 
into the comments now. Comments about Sunday Bloody Sunday. Our first comment comes from Adam Pellman. Ooh. He says, Adam. I haven't I haven't seen this since film school, but I remember thinking it was excellent. A really great relationship drama. Superb perfor- performances from Jackson and Finch. Certainly groundbreaking for its time, but it's been too long for me to remember how well it's aged. Perhaps someone else who's seen it recently could comment on that. Well, you know what? I think it's aged uh, pretty well. I was say, there, we did a whole podcast, Adam, about uh, about that, so you could check it out, right? On uh, check our feed, uh, Facebook. You know, you know where it is. Yeah, WWTT podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Adam. Uh, I would say that it's it's aged quite well. I yeah. don't think there was anything overtly uh, offensive in it, other no. than I guess the portrayal of hippies, maybe. Maybe, and 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 the fact that as a gay man he wore a scarf. That was like the most out there thing. But also directed by a gay man. Yeah. So <laughs> what can you say? Yeah. And probably accurate to the time. Maybe it was a. Maybe it was one of those things. It was just like, oh, the guy's got a scarf on. I know what we can do. Our next comment, Brendan, comes from one Beth Richardson who writes, I saw the movie when it first came out. She didn't put the emphasis on I, I did. Mm. It was quite startling at the time. I haven't seen it since, though. Wow. That was a long time ago, Beth. Uh, I imagine it was startling. Well, Sylvia Milanese has a comment on that and says, Agree. The kiss between Finch and Head, and Head was like, whoa. I haven't seen it since then either. I remember liking the movie at the time. Next comment, John Mendenhall writes, Terrific film. It goes to show how acceptance and portrayals of queer characters in cinema has always been a swinging pendulum rather than the narrative of things are always better and more progressive now than they were in the past. From the silent Conrad Veet 1919 film different from the others, with its very progressive views on homosexuality, followed by the enforcement of the Hayes Code through the 30s and the 6 through the 30s and 60s. Then back to pro-gay flicks like Sunday Bloody Sunday and Making Love, followed by the backlash of the Reagan era. SBS can be seen as groundbreaking in a sense, but at the same time also seen as emblematic of a developing trend in Hollywood throughout the 70s and early 80s. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's... It's true, because there have been like movies from the, from the past where you're like, whoa... That's pretty progressive for yeah. the time. And then you see something in the 80s and you're like, good God. <laughs> you, you see the opening 20 minutes of Delirious and are like, whoa, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of, some of that set does not age well. <laughs> good in them jeans, boy. Oh. Um, all right. Our last, uh, the one for me is when he talks about I walk back and forth really quick. Mm-hmm. And we'll just leave it at that. There's a reason why I do it, he says. <laughs> last but not least, a comment comes from Aylin Allen. And I hope I got it right, but you know I don't think I ever do. We always have this discussion, and you know what? Elin, I think he would have. Alan, I think he has he not told us. He hasn't. He isn't. So that's on him at this point. You know what? Roger Allen says yes. <laughs> a beautiful, poignant film. Glenda Jackson is sublime. Did find the scene with the dog and the child quite harrowing, mm. and was a bit angry with their reaction in the aftermath, even though it was probably for the best. Well, I don't know. Getting angry at the little girl was really for the best. I think no. I think he means the after. I think maybe he means the aftermath, um, wh- where they didn't really seem to care that much about yeah. the dog ultimately, yeah. except for maybe like the kid. Yeah, that was she, it. Well, yeah. yeah, she had a trauma from it, so she cared. Yeah. Well, th- well, thank you, Alan. Yes, always thank you, Alan. We appreciate your comments as always. Thank you, everyone. But now, Jason, we got to find something out. We got to compare this movie to an American movie. I believe Sunday Bloody Sunday was number 65 on the BFI Top 100. So we are going to find out what number 65 is on the American Film Institute Top 100. That's the AFI. 
and compare and contrast. And let's see if Jason has seen a movie. This is serendipitous, Brendan, because I literally watched this movie two weeks ago. Number 65 on the list is John Huston's 1951 Humphrey Bogart starring the African Queen. Now, I like Sunday Bloody Sunday a lot, but I really like the African Queen, so I got to give it to the African Queen. I mean, it's got Bogey and Hepburn in it. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I love Peter Finch, but come on. That's a classic pairing, and it's a really good movie. So, African Queen, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't see Sunday Bloody Sunday. Do it on a doubleheader. It's a weird doubleheader, but do it. Yeah, just do it. Why not? Um, I agree that African Queen is a good movie. I'm actually going to go the opposite, though. Oh, I'm going to give it to Sunday Bloody Sunday. A rare split decision. Mm-hmm. Mm, where we've both seen it, and we think different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that happens on a lot of regular episodes about the movies, sure. but, you know, mm. you know. You know, because you remember my my vast uh, appreciation and love for Caravaggio and the English Patient. Sure, yeah, I loved um, him. As compared to your loathing. Yeah, hated him. <laughs> I don't even think you loathed Caravaggio. I don't know why that's why. I didn't hate Caravaggio. It's just weird. <laughs> it was weird. You sound like such a fucking mom doing a review. Uh, that movie was weird. Yeah, I say, but I say it with a smile, not with a sneer. That movie was just strange. That movie was like a three dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> that how did you know my mom's catchphrase was? <laughs> <laughs> three dollar bill, y'all. That's what she said about Sunday Bloody Sunday. That's unfortunately, <laughs> what did you think of Sunday Bloody Sunday, Brendan's mom? It was like a three dollar bill. Oh, mama, you can't say that. <laughs> also, I have a big Italian film uh, family too. I always thought so. I always yeah. thought you were kind of swarthy, Brendan Wall. <laughs> That's how you pronounce my name. All right, Jason, we need to move on. We need to uh, move past this bullshit, and we need to talk about this week's movie, which is, of course, Billy Liar. He's a liar. Good morning, housewives, and a very special good morning to the housewife who lives at number 26, Fairmile Road, Derby. Yes, it's you, Mrs. Beryl Heseltine, your great day. Because I've got birthday greetings for you from your husband, Charles, your son, Harry, not forgetting the girls next door. And they've chosen for you Kenneth McKellar singing Song of the Clyde, and here he is. I'll sing of a river I'm happy beside. The song that I sing is a song of the Clyde. Of all Scottish rivers, it's dearest to me. It flows from land hills all the way to the sea. It borders the options of Lanark so fair, meanders through meadows with sheep grazing there. But from Glasgow to Greenock, in towns on each side, the hammer's ding-dong is the song of the Clyde. Yes, yeah, so the sounds of someone saying that the hammer's ding-dong is the son of the Clyde, the song of the Clyde, song, in fact. Yes. Um, I just I just thought of Greg the Hammer Valentine's Ding Dong, <laughs> the Hammer's Ding Dong. Wow. Yeah, but you know, talking about Greg Valentine's Ding Dong, that can only mean one thing. We How's are, your hammer hanging? <laughs> we are discussing his hammer doesn't like the the women's division of the ooh, WWE. I'll ooh, tell you that. Ooh. Is he RIP? Is he still mm, alive? I think so. Okay. But anyway, anyway. Speaking of Greg the Hammer Valentine and figure four leg locks, we are talking about this week's movie. We are talking about Billy effing liar. I mean, I think it's just called Billy Liar. Billy fucking liar. Bound about bound bound. 1963. 
Number 76 on the BFI Top 100, directed once again by John Schlesinger. We talked about him last week. Sure. And uh, starring a whole whack of people. Mm. Uh, mo- most First and foremost, Jason, this stars our old buddy Tom Courtney. Yes. Late as- of, of course, in the movies we've seen, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Dr. Zhivago. Dr. Zhivago. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. I think those are the two. Yeah. Yeah. Or now three. He's not. Is he in any of the the next two? <laughs> no. Yeah, don't believe he's in the 1997 film uh, "No by Mouth" directed by Gary Oldman. It could be. He was alive then. But Still Jason, is. Jason, it's funny that you mentioned Tom Courtney. I, I believe another film he is going to be in is "The Railway Children Returns." Yeah, or "Return." I guess there's multiple children starring so. Tom Courtney, right, and Jenny Agutter. Yeah, yeah. So they're. Uh, I don't remember. He was not in the Railway Children. No. And I make this promise to you, the listener, that movie comes out, we are doing it. We will definitely do that as a uh, Now for Something Completely Similar special edition. Yes. So, yes, Tom Courtney is playing Billy Liar, or Billy Fisher, I guess mm-hmm. is his real name. Uh, Wilfred Pickles is his father, Jeffrey Fisher. Now, I thought the name Pickles was made up for uh, Rugrats, but turns out it's a real name. It's a real name. A, a real name for a real man. Yeah. Mona Washburn is Alice Fisher, his mother. So Mona Washburn, of course, uh, apparently was in If as a a matron. But I remember her because she is in the film version of My Fair Lady and playing the character of Mrs. Pierce. Of Your Fair Lady? Yeah, My Fair Lady. The, oh. the the musical that I I like and that was also I was also in in high school uh, and my friend Maggie played uh, Mrs. Pierce in our version of it and Here she was go. much younger than Mona Washburn. Here we go again, Jason bragging about his fucking theater history. The one musical I was in tonight, old man, you did it, you did it, you did it. Thank you, Jason. I feel I feel like you you didn't know what J- who Jason was at that point. In no, time. nobody knew until I was in that musical, and now everybody knows. No, I mean in, when you were in character just now. Oh, I feel oh. like you forgot about who Jason was. That's true. I did. I did. I became Colonel Pickering just for that moment. <laughs> um, we also have Ethel Griffiths playing Florence, Billy's grandmother. Um, we have uh the owners of the of the place that uh, that Billy works for, Leonard. Rossiter as Shadrach and Finley Curry as Duxbury. Mm. And we have some ladies in this movie. We have three ladies. We have uh, Gwendolyn Watts as the uh, stern, hard, hard, uh, having a good time Rita is what I would call her, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, she's what the, I guess she's what the 60s movies would call a party girl. Kind of, yeah. She's... Bit of a bit of a slut of the 60s. If you sure. Know I, mean. I think that's the implication. She seems like a nice girl if, if a bit uh, grating. Uh, Helen Fraser as the virginal Barbara. Mm. Also seems like a nice girl if a bit of grading. And Jason, our love, mm. our one and only, Mrs. Julie Christie yes. as Liz. Not grading in the least. Wonderful. Yeah. In everything. And she's in this movie not a lot. Like 12 and, minutes, I think. And every time she's on screen, it's just like a, it's like light. Oh, yeah. Well, no, she. this is Julie Christie in her prime, you know. Prime Christie. Prime grade A Christie. Mm. Yes, throw- I am I guess I'm objectifying a woman right what? now by comparing <laughs> her to meat. So <laughs> when, you, when you throw the grade A line in yeah, there, it I makes suppose. it worse. Yeah. Sorry about that. Prime hot and tender Christie. Well done, well seasoned. I like my chicken, Christie. Uh, 
Yeah, that could actually be a good tie-in. We should get KFC on the line. Julie Christie at KFC, we can make this happen, guys. I know you both listen to the show. Yeah, you absolutely. You need you guys need to get in contact. Christie, yeah. call the colonel. <laughs> well, hello there, says Julie Christie. I love you and Dr. Zhivago. Well, That's my favorite movie. I'm a communist. <laughs> well, well, how do you mean how do I know it's Julie Christie? I'm not some sort of hillbilly. I have collar display just like any regular red-blooded American. That's right. The, the colonel was always a big supporter of caller ID. And gay rights. Hmm. Probably not. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I think the colonel was less racist and, and to- intolerant than people give him credit for, but he also was from the South in a different time, so. I thought Mario Lopez was the colonel. That's what I learned from Lifetime. Oh, oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Guys, recipe for seduction. Just watch it. It's like 13 <sighs> minutes long. Yeah, sure. 13 minutes, you can never get back. You won't want it. No. You'll be well well spent. Is there anybody else in the cast of this movie we should know about? <laughs> no, I guess we could stop talking about a recipe for seduction. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear about that, listen to my other podcast. Sure. Uh, no, I think that's it for the cast. It is, and I said, like I said, directed by John Schlesinger once again. This is the most comedic Schlesinger I think we've done. Because we've talked about Darling, yep. which certainly had elements of it. We've talked about uh, Far From the Madden Crowd, which mm. eh, kind of... It was, a, it was definitely a drama. And we talked about Sunday, Bloody Sunday, which, like, again, a little bit, some. Yeah, I mean, it was like, like most dramas have a little bit of comedy in there, some laughs occasionally. Yeah, but this is this is a full comedy. Yeah, this is a this is a still pretty impressively made, like like mo- almost modernly paced, at least in the at least in the realm of a modern movie. Well, Jason, tell us like, uh, give us a brief rundown of the, this movie's plot. Well, basically, it's about Billy Liar, who, aka Billy Fisher, who's just a guy that grows up in this working class neighborhood with working class parents and he lives with these people and these people his parents and his grandma are all fucking insufferable they're they're people that are always riding his ass now billy's kind of a piece of shit he likes to lie he likes to live in a fantasy world um like literally like literally like he will have moments okay brendan i mentioned this briefly while we were talking on chat but i'll i'll reaffirm like we have a scene early on where Billy uh, and and he goes back to this fantasy uh, a couple of times, but where he it cuts to him in a military uniform and just cutting everybody down nearby with like a, a submachine gun, just fucking shooting up everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And that specifically called back to me, and I didn't watch the show. I just remember this from the ads on TV. But you remember the show Ally McBeal? Uh, I mean, yes, I know the show. Okay, so one of the kind of central conceits of that show was that she would have these similar kind of fantasy moments to what Billy does, and there's a scene where her alarm clock goes off, and so there's a a scene of her, like, reaching under her pillow and pulling out an Uzi and fucking shooting the alarm clock. That's immediately what it called to mind. So I'm wondering if the people that created that show perhaps were, were familiar with this movie. Well, I mean, or maybe the fact that some of this passes on to other movies. Mm. I I know Ally McBeal was before this, but the other movie I really thought of while watching this, just because we cut between like real life and his fantasy sequences quite often, mm. um, is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is based on a book. It's but- funny. I, 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 looking this up on, on the internet, yeah, I think this book was partially based on Walter Mitty as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's why you that. would, yeah, the, the, that was an inspiration for this. So that would explain why you noticed the similarity. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I could see this as being an adaptation of that story for sure. Um, because much like Walter Mitty, starring Ben Stiller, very underrated film, by the way, mm. um, he often just goes to this other world, and we see the other world, and it's filmed beautifully. Mm. And this movie, too. Yeah. He plays a lot of dictators, I noticed. Yeah, you know, he, his, his fantasy world is like literally a country called Ambrosia. Yes. <laughs> uh, that he is the, the absolute dictator of, and he wears a military uniform, and he gives big speeches, and 
You know, that's his fantasy world. There's even a film strip <laughs> this is called The Rape of Ambrosia, where it's like they've been attacked, and he's like surveying the battlefield. And it kind of goes along with his, it kind of coincides with how he's how his real care life is going yeah. in the movie. Because when we see that newsreel later on where Ambrosia has been under attack and, oh, they've suffered ma- many losses, that's when his lies are starting to catch up with yeah. him. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing we have with this character, Brendan. We have a guy that has so many plates in the air, so many spinning plates in the air that he has to keep spinning. And it's really his own fault that he gets into this. But this is a guy who clearly has no like kind of confidence in himself or his own abilities, so he lies to make up for that. Um, one of the major plots is that he, he keeps saying that he has a, a job opportunity with this comedian named Danny Boone. He's a catchphrase comedian, by the way. He's a catchphrase comedian. His, friend, <laughs> his catchphrase is he touches like his one hand to his elbow and puts up his arm and he goes, it's all happening. And it, it rings so true. That, that's not a real comedian. That's not a real catchphrase. But like at that time in Britain and in America, it was clear that catchphrase comedians were very popular, especially in Britain. They still are. I still are to some extent, but like to have a dumb catchphrase like that, it's all happening, which of course, Brendan, in modern times reminds me of the meme of uh, Ron Paul. Have you ever seen this where Ron Paul's on a meme and it's like alternating with different colors and it's just him looking excited and it just says it's happening. I'm sure that's from white nationalists probably. So don't, don't, don't get me on that, but that's what it reminds me of. Okay. So so you saw it on the, on the Facebook group page. Sure. Yeah. For white nationalism. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm subscribed to white nationalism on Facebook. (laughs) Why hasn't the page been taken down yet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of misinformation. And they keep that open. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one person's information. Yeah, sure. Let's let's take a listen to... I just want to... That you mentioned that comedian. Danny Boone, yeah. We should listen to Danny Boone. Uh, basically, he gets hired to uh, do a grand opening for a supermarket, which was a big deal in 1963, those sure. supermarkets. Remember I mean, we, they were brand new. Yeah, what, what movie was uh, that? We talked about the Ipcrest file. Yeah, where, yeah, exactly. They're, they're wondering and, about that. Yeah, that was like 1965, and mm. they were completely new. So here we go. Here's a, here's a clip of Danny Boone, comedian extraordinaire. It gives me great pleasure... On behalf of City Foods Limited, to invite Danny to ceremoniously open this store. Uh, Danny Boone. It's all happening. (laughs) Well, you've got a lot of relatives here this morning, haven't you? Who's that? Is that your auntie? (laughs) Oh, no, it's my auntie. Hello, darling. Still slimming? Yes, hello. (laughs) It's all happening. Uh, no, thank you. I'm trying to give them up. Oh, just a minute, fellas, before you take any more. Uh, could I have a pretty girl from the audience to come up here and help me cut the tape, eh? Any pretty girl? Oh, we have got a lot to choose from, haven't we? <laughs> oh, what about you, darling? Yeah, you in the brown. Well, would you mind coming up here? That's a good girl. Oh, round of applause. Very sporting girl, Nancy. Hey, what about a kiss to start us off, eh? And then, of course, following that, a big procession of bagpipes yes. uh, go off around the supermarket. I ladies, ladies with bagpipes. I, I love in that in that clip, though, and I pointed out while we were watching it, is that um, one of the old ladies um, is really into that catchphrase. Because mm. when he gets Julie Christie to come up and like he gives her a kiss on the he cheek or whatever. Her. 
Well, he has to be here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was worried what, what was going to happen, but got, got some real uh, uh, Richard um, Dawson Dawson vibes, yeah. But when when he brings her on stage and the, one of the old ladies just like, oh, it's all happened. Yeah, <laughs> this lady, she's she loves that it. guy. She's into it. But this is at a time when radio was certainly much more relevant to people's lives. Uh, comedians that were on the radio, like him, could be very popular with their dumb catchphrases. It's all um, happening. Did you notice at the beginning of the movie, too, like when people are getting their shit announced on the radio, like they're running into the house. It's like the greatest day of their lives. They're dropping towels from their balconies. They're, yeah. they're not giving a shit. By the way, the way the movie pans across that apartment complex, yeah. sad, sad, saddest apartment complex ever. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, I, but I don't like seeing that many apartments in a building. It but it's makes like, me very upset. It's like starting, like the first one we see is like semi-detached housing, like kind of classic, like poor British working class kind of residences. But then going one step down to these like these like really cramped apartments too. Like yeah. it's uh, yeah. But that's the one brightness in their life. Brendan is hearing the guy on the radio say their thing. That's right. So yeah, he pretend he, he's lying throughout the movie that he's got this job writing jokes for Danny Boone. Yeah. Continue. Keeps, uh and so that's one of his many lies. He is also engaged to multiple women. We've got to Rita, who as we pointed out was the kind of uh, party girl who works in a diner. She got a real mouth on her. She got a real mouth on her, but then we've also got Barbara who is very much a good girl and quite virginal and um who he date rape drugs at one point? Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't get. It's not so much a date rape drug, but I I got the impression that it's supposed to be a horny pill, like oh, like a Spanish fly type thing. Really? Because I yeah. got I got the impression that he was trying to knock her unconscious so he could take the ring back. I understand that, but also doesn't the guy he, he goes to take some of the pills and the guy's like tells him not to because I I thought I mean, my implication from it was that he just would be he'd be super horny and be out of it. But See, no, because I because he kept, he asked her later if she was tired. Yeah. So I thought uh, that's maybe that yeah maybe he out. was trying to knock her out. Either way, he's a scumbag. Either way, he, his, his thing wasn't that he was going to assault no, her. No, he wasn't going to rape her, but he wanted but, to take the ring back. But he did give her pills and her drink. Yeah. And now, to his credit, he showed her that he was doing it. Yeah, he under didn't false hide pretenses it. of it being energy pills. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yes, three la- uh, two ladies. Three ladies, really, in his life. Yeah, because he clearly, he's got something going on with um, with uh, Liz as well. And, and Liz seems to be, like, somebody who really likes him. Like, Liz now, I get the be... other girls seem to like him, too, but obviously they figure it out what's going on with him. She doesn't in the same way or doesn't care. Liz seems to be someone who is similar to him, yeah. but without the flaws. Like, she doesn't I don't, seem to I, lie quite the same way. She doesn't seem to lie, but I mean, she has that free-spirited yeah. thing, but she does something about it. She doesn't she, just say well, that's she's going to do it. He, he Maybe he's a free spirit, but maybe the free-spiritness is a lie, and it seems to be bared out by the way the movie ends where he is going to go off with her to London, but then makes an excuse to get off the train and ends up missing his train. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. It is. Cause you, you think about like somebody wanting to leave their hometown and kind of see the world and learn a little bit. And yeah, it is sad that he decides to stay, but also it's clearly what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. But it, it, yeah, so the movie is kind of him trying to juggle all these lies and, and make himself out to be more than he is. He's also stealing from his job. Stealing from his job. I think he's stealing from wherever he can get it. Like, like he's doing everything he shouldn't. Yeah. He. Oh, yeah. Because his job gives him like a postage money and a bunch of calendars to mail out. And he just keeps the postage money and stows the calendar in his wardrobe, like just a stack of them. I think. I think that this Tom Courtney character would really admire the Tom Courtney character in the loneliness of the long distance runner, because he'd be like, "Oh, you're in jail. That's fun. Like, yeah. what's that all about?" <laughs> And then the, the, the Tom Courtney from The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner wouldn't like this guy at all. <laughs> no, no. This guy would like the the Tom Courtney in Zhivago, too, probably. 
Strelnikov? You think so? Oh, I think yeah. Strelnikov would just have him executed because he'd be a problem. <laughs> I'm just saying, of all the to- Tom Courtney's hanging out, hang out, and and one day, Jason, we're gonna watch the film 45 years. We'll <laughs> see what that Tom Courtney thinks. Tom Courtney, you're still alive. I think it's time for you to do a film where you play all your roles in the same movie. I think it's time for you to join the MCU. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, Strelnikov in the MCU is a villain. No, I just want him to play. First, I destroyed Jivago. Now I will destroy you. <laughs> I just want him to be awkwardly introduced, and Ant Man's like, "Hey, I brought my brother." <laughs> and then Tom Courtney, British actor Tom Courtney, ninety-year-old Tom Courtney, <laughs> just walks in. And he's like, "Hello, hello, hello." It's all happening. <laughs> Wait, that's not my line. <laughs> he stole it. That guy's probably dead, so I bet you he's allowed to have it. Oh, now. Danny Boone's definitely R.I.P. Whoever played Danny Boone. By the way, there is no British comedian named Danny Boone, but apparently there was a French comedian named Danny Boone, but with one N in Danny. It's all happening. It's all happening. But yeah, that's 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 essentially the plot of the movie. So, Jason, anything else to add? No, yeah, that's that's essentially how the movie breaks down. We t- and we talk about Billy having these ambitions, yeah. but not really wanting to do anything about it. No, and it's Liz that kind of drags him into it, but then he bails. Like he clearly doesn't want to do it, and you know that sucks for him. But one one scene I really do like in this movie that kind of it, it gives a good measure of Billy's character is. At some point, he's just going to give his notice at work. Like, he's going to give his notice and tell him that he's going to go write jokes for Danny Boone, even though we know that's not true. Uh, But he's practicing his speech, and then he kind of gets caught up in his own silliness here. And just keep in mind that at the end of this scene, his boss does walk in the room. Um, uh, First of all, Mr. Shadrach, I'd like to thank you for what has been a very happy stay in the firm. Uh, But I really do feel that I must seize this... um, this new opportunity uh, with both hands. I'm sure you'll appreciate my position. And of course, need I say, uh, the offer of a partnership with yourself and Mr. Duxbury is an extremely attractive incentive for me, uh, but unfortunately, my ambitions lie in other fields. <clears throat> of course. Of course, London's a big place. <clears throat> it's a very big place, Mr. Shadrach. A man can lose himself in London. Lose himself. Lose himself. Lose himself. Lose himself in the London. Himself. Himself. Never. In the field of human conflict, has uh, so much. Uh... One, two, three, four, testing. Emmanuel Shadrach, this is your life. This is your life, Mr. Shadrach. Your life, me he heister shadrach. Your life, shaddy addy 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 Your life, hoi, shadows. <laughs> I love that. That is yeah. that's like a Jim Carrey routine. Yeah, it, it, I'll tell you, Brendan. Watching this scene reminded me of. Um, 
Tommy Boy, of specifically that scene in Tommy Boy where he's talking to the fan, going, Lord, la, li, lo, Luke, yeah. I am your father. But also that this character sort of is a cross between Chris Farley and David Spade in that movie, where he's like, he's he's crazy and he's outgoing and he does like the crazy bits and whatever, but he's also kind of uptight and smug like, like David Spade's character, like... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually watching this movie. I'm surprised how influential this character feels. And yeah. another one I want to mention is not the the. It's kind of just his overall behavior. I find mm. he reminded me a lot of Ferris Bueller. Sure, like just the, the the you know the fact that he's like a slacker. He's not motivated. Now I've not seen Ferris Bueller. Uh, is oh, he a liar? It. Is he <laughs> yes. a fucking liar? Yes, he yeah, cuts okay. school. But he's also charismatic, so people like him. Here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing I thought is that both of them are kind of impulsive liars Mm. to a point. Maybe this character more that more outright than Ferris Bueller. But in that movie, he's seen as like a charming, cool guy. Yeah. In this movie, it kind of feels like they're like. um, I don't think we as the viewer are under any illusion that he's like actually a cool guy. We fall under that spell with something like Ferris Bueller. But I, I just mean, like, I think this movie, um, yeah, exactly. It, it points out, like, his lack of ambition as a flaw. Mm. Whereas in Ferris Bueller, it's like, he can go anywhere he wants, he's man. A, he's a cool guy. He and just does what he wants to do. Listen, nothing against Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a movie that, again, Jason has never seen. No. Um, but I know a lot about via cultural osmosis. <laughs> Jones. Yeah. Have you seen Osmosis Jones? Uh, not all of it, no. Oh, God damn it. How have you seen some <laughs> of that and none of Jaws? <laughs> I had the movie network once. <laughs> God. Wait, have you seen Shark Tale? No. <laughs> I should though. I think Scott Ackerman co-wrote that. Martin Scorsese plays a, a gangster fish. As he should. He would be great at it. And he says, "Nod your head if you if you hear me out over the phone." And then uh-huh. he nods, and then he says, "Now tell me if you nodded." Uh huh. I did. Does Does the fish have very thick eyebrows? You'll be sleeping with the fishes. Huh. The dead ones. Oh. Get it? Because he's a fish. But you didn't answer my question. Did he have very thick eyebrows? I think so. Of course he did. I barely knew who Martin Scorsese was in 2004. Wow. And you were working at the theater. I knew he was because of The Departed. Ooh, oh, wait, 2004. Was, nope. I was going to say, you knew who, if you knew who he was because of any movie from that time, it was because of Gangs in New York. I had definitely not seen that. I only saw that a few years ago. Oh. Anyway, this movie, Billy sure. Liar. Yeah. Um... I, yeah, so Ferris Bueller's another one. Um, I'm sure there's others, but mm. those are the ones I think that stick out to me anyway. Well, of any any comedic character that is is a liar that keeps those plates spinning, like I mean, he almost feels like it. Almost feels like at some point I'm like, is he going to start talking to us? Because yeah. it almost got to that point. Yeah, no, and 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 also, yeah, I definitely he's got an Alfie vibe to him in the sense that he's banging multiple women. Now, I don't think he's quite as evil as uh, not evil. That's the wrong word, but quite as shitty as as Alfie. Yeah, quite as misogynist. Well, clearly, because he's having trouble, like, breaking it off with them. Alfie would have just done it, or just left and never, just totally ghosted them in, a, in an era where you could do that without having to block people on social media. Yeah, those are the good old days. Yeah. Oh, you could just leave. You could just go for a pack of cigarettes and never come home. And those cigarettes, Brendan, were a nickel. <laughs> and we liked it. Oh, we smoked all day, every day. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, that is his character. And then Julie Christie is like pff, something else, yeah. something different. She's she's the only one that I think logically he should be t- with. Sure. Like, I, I don't think he I don't think he, he and either of the other two girls are. A match. I think he thinks that, too, because Julie Christie is the only character uh, I should say Liz. 
Julie Christie's is not a character in this movie. She is an actress playing the character of Liz. The actress Liz Hurley plays Julie Christie. I bet you she good. You dye her hair blonde. She could pull it off. She got the accent. Yeah. Um, it's all it takes. Sure. Uh, get me on the line with Liz Hurley. We're making a Julie Christie biopic. All right, one second. Um, Keep talking. Where was I going with that? Uh, she is the one character that he is totally honest with. Because he tells her about Ambrosia. He tells her about his fantasy yeah. thing, and he doesn't talk about that with anyone. No, no. It's the only person he's vulnerable with, mm, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, just real quick, Liz Hurley's on the phone for you. Hi, Liz. Yeah, it's Jason. Yeah, Jason. Jason McCloud. I watched Bedazzled in the theater in 1998, if that's when it came out. That's I don't know. It's not remember. when it came out, Jason. When did it come out, Brandon? Don't lie to Liz Hurley. Sorry, Liz. Hold on a second. 2000. That, 2000. I saw that movie in the theater in 2000, back when you know I watched everything. Yeah, you know, you were fantastic. Look, uh, would you like to do a biopic about Julie Christie? You would. Cool. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch. Have a good one, Liz. Love you. Bye-bye. Snoogans. That was weird that Liz said that on speaker. <laughs> She's a big Kevin Smith fan. She loves loves Jay. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were talking about some stuff. Was I? Yeah. About this movie? Yeah. Hmm. What was I talking about? Should I go back? No. We can we can just keep going. We'll just barrel through this. Uh, what else do you have to say about this movie, Brendan? I know you've got things you want to say. You've got, you've oh, got no, you were takes. Saying, hold on. You were saying that he was um uh he was vulnerable. Sure, yeah, he was vulnerable with her. She was the one person that he was willing to open up to. Uh unfortunately in that scene, his uh, his so called friends or his uh, associates he overhear this and you know that they will never let him live that down. And that might maybe that's one of the contributing factors to the ending. But also, I I also enjoy the fact that because he because they they pick up on the fact that when he's talking about it, he's like and and you're in my fantasy you know as a as like foreign minister or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we should hear the scene of him opening up. Sure. The yeah. It's, sometimes I want to go away. It's not you, Billy. It's this town. It's the people we know. I, I don't like knowing everybody. I don't like becoming a part of things. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do, Liz, I do. What I'd like to be is invisible. I'd like to be able to move around without having to explain anything. Liz, listen. Do you know what I do? And I want to feel invisible. Uh, well, I, I've never told anybody before. I have a sort of a... Well, it's an imaginary country. Where I go, it has its own people. Do you own... do that? I knew you would. Oh, Billy, why are we so alike? You know I can read your thoughts. Town. Oh, no, no, no. This is more than a town. It's a whole country. I'm supposed to be the Prime Minister and you're the Foreign Secretary or oh, something. thank you. Now, I think about it for hours. Sometimes I think if we were married with a house of our own, we could just sit and imagine ourselves there. Yes, we could. Oh, I want a room in the house with a green baize door. It'd be a big room. And when we go in, it's through the door. That's it. That's our country. Nobody else will be allowed in at all. Uh, and I thought we could make models of the principal cities and out of cardboard. Can have toy soldiers painted for the people. Can draw maps. Be placed to go on a rainy afternoon. We could go there. Nobody would find us. We could design our own newspapers. Could even make uniforms if we wanted to. It would be our country. Let's have a model train that the kids won't be allowed to use. Oh, please, please. Will you marry me? Yes, Billy. I love how also earlier in the movie, um, he said she says like, "Let's get married," and he says, "Oh." 
I have a bad history with fiancés because <laughs> part of this movie is him trading that ring back and forth between Brita and Barbara. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's bad enough that he's it's bad enough that he has multiple fiancés, but he's one ring that he has yeah. to fucking kite between them. <laughs> yeah, one to rule them all. Yeah. But I, I, th- what I thought was was interesting in that scene is that he says that line, and then she says, um, and th- is that she says, uh, I don't want to be fiancés. I want to get married. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't want to fuck around. Yeah, I'm not here to waste time, Tom Courtney. But I don't know. I wonder what she sees in him, though. I mean, like beyond the fact that he's mildly charismatic when he wants to be honest. Well, I mean, I think there's, again, I think there's a similarity between the characters. And I think that she thinks that if he can make the leap Mm. and and be as kind of, you know, ambitious, but also willing to, to... Take a step towards it. Yeah. I think she thinks he would be good. He would be in a good good place. Yeah, and if he could bring himself to do that, which I yeah. don't like, I think he likes being in the small pond of this town. I don't think he. It's clear that he is scared of the idea of going to London, where he would just be, you know, a nobody. Yeah, because because where he is, he's known, whether for good or no or or ill. Like he's got a place. He he's got a. Uh, you know, and his family is known, I'm sure. You know, he's he's there. And and the idea of going to the big city and starting anew must be f- fucking terrifying to this guy. And at the same time, you get there's a part of him that thinks maybe I should because yeah. I think he thinks he's going to get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and, and clearly he is because he's got the shit with the funeral home to deal with and ripping them off. And, and it seems like at the end of the movie, like him going to London is a good way to kind of escape that. And, maybe, and, and the thing with the women. And the thing with the women. And then... Of course, just before he leaves, his grandmother goes into the hospital and unfortunately passes away. Yeah. Yeah, and that's clearly his mother's going through some shit, and I wonder if that's part of what brings him back, because he does think his family will need him. Speaking of something else he does that's potentially terrible, yeah. did you think that when, maybe I maybe this is true and I just completely missed it, or maybe I'm just crazy, but when he gives, when he realizes that he needs to get that ring from Barbara to give mm-hmm. to Rita because she thinks her ring is in the jeweler's shop. Yeah. He gives her some quote unquote energy pills to make her like fall asleep so you can take the ring. Yeah. Is that his grandmother's medication? Because later on, when she gets like a little sick and they're looking for her pills, he doesn't find them in that drawer. G- yes. Um, and I thought but- for a second because he goes to his room right after that and clearly looks guilty. Yeah. But I thought he got those pills from somebody. Did he? Because they, he had the whole thing like, hey, because he was going to take them. And the guy stops him and is like, hey, don't take those. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. Oh, I might have missed that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I I, he stole his grandmother's med- I thought he stole his grandmother's medication and his grandmother was going to die. And I was yeah. like, God damn, that's a dark, dark scene. Yeah. No, that would have been pretty dark. No, I think I think he just could, didn't know where they were. And okay. dad was fucking searching through there. I think maybe the guilt is because his kind of yelling was the thing that happened just before she kind of went mm. off. But yeah, she goes. She has a moment, and then she has another moment, and she passes away. Yeah, I do feel sympathy for Billy because his parents, while well-meaning people, ride his ass constantly. And maybe, and maybe his uh, upbringing has given them reason to do this. But kind of coming into it from the outside observer, it's like, for fuck's sake, lay up on the guy. No wonder he's fucked up. You're riding his ass all the time. Like, lay off. Come on, give him some encouragement. In this movie, it's presented as innocent, but I got to tell you, that first time they did that gag with Billy shooting everyone when yeah. it was his family, and he just turned around with a fucking machine yeah. gun and started shooting everyone, I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> whoa, movie. Yeah. 
Um, but it's done so silly, and like you don't see anybody actually get shot. Well, and until the fact he, that he does it multiple times until he kills his boss. Yes, in his fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> and that just made me think of that song from Batman Forever, where it's like killing me softly. You hate your boss at your job. But in your dreams, you can blow his head off. Is that how that song goes? Yep. It wow. takes place. It's a, it's during the scene where the Riddler is making his outfit. Jason, I've seen that movie like 4,800 times. I, I've, I've maybe seen that movie twice in my life. Once in the theater. And the other time on Laserdisc. Yeah, obviously. That's the only way to see a movie. I have to flip the disc four times because I was watching it in the, the best quality. Four times? Yeah. Is it a cube? Well, it's uh, it's got a, it, it's like the Monty Python uh, album. It's got like an extra line. <laughs> of Coke. No, but like for real, Laserdisc, like like there was CLV and CAV, okay. and and one of them would give you individual frames, and the other one would interlace. So if you had the interlaced one, you could get like an hour per side. If you had the the CAV or C whatever one the, with the frames, it was it was only a half hour per side. So Lawrence Arabia was literally four Laserdiscs. Excellent. So uh, uh, yeah, so think about that. Think about how good we have it now with Netflix. Yeah, Netflix, I only have to flip the disc three times. That's right. Easy peasy. You get your mailers every day. Every day I get my mailers. All I do is mail, 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 no matter what. Yeah, you're the one guy that still has that Netflix subscription. Yeah, and I use a VPN to get it because we don't have it in Canada anymore. <laughs> J- Jason, I want to play um, a scene where his one of the scenes where his lies start to fall apart. Yes. And that's when Barbara and Rita end up meeting each other. Yes, because they both want to go dancing at the Roxy. Yeah. And... and <laughs> Billy goes to the point of like he sees Rita and so he, he sees a bunch of like people show up on a motorcycle and the motorcycle we think the motorcyclists are just walking in but he takes off the helmet and it's and it's Billy and yeah. he's like oh thanks mate and he like goes into the Roxy yeah and it's funny because yeah he sees both of them in there but he goes into this dance club and who does he go see Liz Liz right yeah but this is the bit where uh, Barbara meets Rita and it goes about as well as you can imagine the reason I played this is to listen to Billy still trying to make it work. Hello, Rita. Uh, I don't think you met Barbara. Uh, Barbara, this is Rita. Rita, this is Barbara. I'm very glad you've come because I think I owe you a word of explanation. A word of explanation? Well, just get back in the cheese with the other maggots. Billy, will you kindly tell me who this girl is? Get Madame Fancy Knickers. I suppose she's your rotten sister. I thought she was supposed to be in a rotten iron lung. Well, for your information, I happen to be Billy's fiance. Well, for your information, he happens to be engaged to me in front of a witness. I think I can explain all this. You can explain till you're blue in the rotten face. It'll make no difference to me. Look, I realise this must not seem very confusing to you, Rita. But the thing is, I thought Barbara had broken the engagement off. Billy, you gave that ring to me. Well, you see, there's been a bit of a mix-up, Rita. Yes, there has. Well, you don't handle the goods unless you intend to buy. Oh, you're rotten. Uh, does this mean you're breaking the engagement off, Rita? You don't get out of it like that. I want that ring. I- I've got to know, Billy. Have you been having re- relations with this girl? Oh, what do you think he's been doing? Knitting a over? Give me that ring. It's mine. I shall give the ring back to Billy if and when I break off the engagement. Are you going to give me that ring? Or aren't you? Don't you threaten me. I won't threaten you. I'll flatten you. Now take off that ring. No, it's come on. Mine. Give it to me. No. It's no. mine. Right, told you I, I do like the difference between them where there's a little bit of a class difference, even just based on the way they speak, because Barbara yeah. is much more proper. 
um, Rita's much more working class. And Rita's much speaks. more Hermione Baddeley. Yeah, she got that, I'll threaten you, I'll flatten you. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. But what we see from from uh, Billy is that he himself is a a an accomplished person at, at adjusting his voice depending on the situation he's in, too. Um, we see he's very good at doing like kind of a posh received uh, a pronunciation accent when he's like talking to his boss and shit, when he's doing that speech. He certainly is a guy that is fond of imitation, doing his bad Churchill. Um, <laughs> but also it's clear from when he's speaking clearly, like when we see him talking to Liz in that scene, speaking honestly, he's speaking in a much lower class accent. Um, much more like his father, you know, where he's got that kind of accent that sounds like this, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit. I didn't even know. I didn't even pick up on that. Now that you me- I, now you mentioned, I totally see it. But yeah. like, yeah, he changes his accent, and that's you know, that's something that that uh, what is that called? There's a there's a word for that, but I uh, uh, is it? God damn it, I can't remember. But it was talking about like how in in this part of the world, like black folks often uh, have adjust their uh, manner of speech depending on the situation they're in and who they're interacting with. And if they're interacting with a group of white people, maybe they're speaking in a different way than if they were interacting with a group of black people. Uh, and it and very much we see that in this. And it, it uh, and as a consequence of the class system, you're going to see that in a place like Britain with its hierarchy. I wonder. I, I, mean, I, I, I would say, I, like, we're, we're a place that has, a, like, a literal caste system like India. I wonder if it's similar if you're from a given caste and you're trying to appear as a different caste, if there's a different way that you would talk I, or dress. or I think so, because I think we kind of saw a little bit of that in My Beautiful Laundrette, mm. where that guy, the business owner, the owner of the yeah. laundrette, would talk very differently with his uh, nephew than he would with, like, the other inve- the other businessmen. Remember that? Yeah. Like, so I, I think there's some element of that, for sure. But there's also the difference between talking with someone in your family versus talking with someone outside of your family. Well, no, that's what I, that's what he was doing. He was no, talking I'm talking I'm talking like caste, like oh. like class. In, in in India, there's a caste system. No, well, I I know. Was. I'm just saying. I don't think in India it's it's too far gone an idea to change the way you appear or talk. Yeah, I wonder about that because I, I I feel like that's something historically that probably would have had some sort of prosecution. Folks, if you have any yeah. uh, interest in Indian history or knowledge or are Indian yourself and can enlighten us. Uh, let us know a little bit about the caste system and what its uh, what its implications are in modern India. Listen, I think I, I mean I think you and I probably do that too. Like we, I think we talk to certain people differently than we do others. Sure, I suppose you know, in, in, especially in a professional situation, you may try to enunciate and <laughs> and and folks, I get it. Like if you listen to our podcast and you're not from the Maritimes, we must have a maritime accent. If I listen back to the podcast, I'm sure I could hear it. I can't hear. I can hear it in like some people. I don't hear it in either. Watch of us. live at five someday. Oh no, no, I hear it in some things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hear it with you. I hear it with Nathan. But uh, yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, Nath- Nathan's maritimer to the core for sure. Yeah, I'm not from here, so I don't have it. Where are you from? Montreal. Oh, well, this changes things. I mean, I don't think I have it. That's where my favorite hockey Do team I have is it? from. I mean, I I would assume, but also I'd have to like if I listen back to the podcast, I might be able to hear it better. <laughs> You should, because you've lived here a long time. <laughs> what are we talking about? Women. Women. Gotta love, love them. them. Love them. Love them. Can't They're live great. with them. Can't, can't live without them. Can't live with them. Can't drown them in a ditch. <laughs> uh, no, you sh- nor should you. No, you shouldn't drown women in ditches. <laughs> are, you, are you stating that right here? I'm saying that for the record, on the record. I'll say that to anybody that asks. I do not agree with drowning women in ditches. And that's going to come back to bite you, Jason. Somebody's going to cut that clip out. and, they're gonna, and Eventually, because in the future, it's going to be cool to drown you women in ditches. You think it's going to go the other way, and then I'll, I'll get canceled for ev- <laughs> saying that women shouldn't be drowned because in Because it'll be revealed that women have actually been part of this giant plan to take over oh, the earth. Oh, 
so does that mean we're living in a future where it's all dudes? Yes. Oh, sausage party extreme. Because, because women have, uh, have basically, you know how the ozone layer is kind of shitty? It's, Wait, that's because of women? It was women. Oh, fuck. Guys, yeah. ladies, cause, come cause on. They, you ever notice? They're all being told to use vacuum cleaners really well. Oh, no. That's what they're doing to the ozone layer, my friend. Mm, I don't think that's how vacuum cleaners work, sir. I think you should read a book. I don't think CFCs are in vacuum cleaners. <laughs> Anywho. Ladies, if CFCs are in vacuum cleaners, let us know. Or gentlemen. No, or only ladies. Oh, only okay. ladies vacuum. That's right. what I've learned from years of watching television. Ladies or those who identify as ladies, let us know. Yeah, even people who identify as ladies, you have to vacuum as well. <laughs> But gentlemen, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. You're sitting back, you drink a beer, you're watching football. That's what we all do. Jerking off. While watching football. <laughs> oh, oh, Tom Brady. Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you can tell Jason and I are not sports guys because that's the only athlete we Only football to. reference. It was either Tom Brady or... Uh, um, Terry yeah, I can't Brad, even think of another one. Terry Bradshaw. Bradshaw, yeah. Or John Madden. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, the movie... Did they ever do a Mad TV sketch based on this movie? <laughs> no, they didn't. Yeah. It's weird because Mad TV was on the air at the time. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it goes way back. I love the... Um, I, I'm going to put on my little tiny film glasses. Oh, Ready? my goodness. This rarely happens on this podcast. Okay, here we go. Here they are. I love the symbolism in this movie, Jason. When, when the there is uh, there are some cutaways to a shots of this building being taken down by a wrecking ball, and I notice that every time they show that, it's when Billy's just had a major setback. Yeah, like it's he, he he's about to get in trouble at work. He thinks he's the jig is up, and they've caught that he's uh, you know been take been keeping these calendars and keeping the postage money for himself. Yeah. Not actually sending them out. And, and you know, you see the, <sighs> like the yeah. building going down. That's, that's actually really fascinating because that did not register with me at all. Because as I've said, Brendan, I'm a history guy, right? So I'm watching those buildings coming down and I'm thinking to myself, wow, 1963. This is almost 20 years after the war is over and they're still rebuilding. Like, which is not crazy because there was a lot of damage done during the war. So the idea that they were still rebuilding was not not, not insane to me. But that didn't register with me. Well, listen, I'm glad J you're here. Listen, Jason, you might be right. I might be. I might be looking too much. Into no, it I too. I think you're right. I think that that does actually come up. I mean, John Schlesinger is not an idiot. Like he clearly made this movie with intent. Yeah. Intent. I'll kill. say that right now. John Schlesinger made this if, movie intentionally. Yeah, he made this movie intentionally. And uh, wait, uh, hold on a sec. Hey Siri. Is John Schlesinger still alive? John Schlesinger was born the 16th of February 1926 and died the 25th of July 2003. Aw, that's a shame. Oh, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago. That was that was uh, just after my first year of university. That was the same summer, I think, that I got into Johnny Cash. So we, we talked a bit about the parents, and I talked about how insufferable they are. Brendan, do you have any examples of how insufferable they are in this movie? Well, I do have one of the final scenes in the movie sure. is when Billy returns home yeah. and uh, and he's arguing with his father. Now, this is actually slightly different because his father probably has good reason for arguing with him in this one. Well, I think he's kind of figured everything out, yeah. right? Because he knows he's been stealing yeah. from his work. Yeah. He knows about the women drama sure. in his life. And he knows now that in this scene that Billy is just going to leave to go to London. But just imagine this man ranting at him about everything. And then it's only in the, really in this scene that he kind of nails him for some realistic stuff. Yeah. 
And Billy finally fights back a little bit, yeah. like in, in an aggressive way, not in a, in a I'm going to I'm going to count the number of times he says bloody out loud. And by the way, let's just say by the straight, way, that's a great gag. That is and great. I know I've seen a very similar gag like that before. With that episode of South Park where they counted the times they said shit. No, I was thinking I, I was thinking it must be in like an Edgar Wright movie, mm. like a Simon Pegg comedy. But I just want to give a quick shout out to Wilford Pickles. Fantastic in this movie. I mean, I love his his personality as as Billy's father. He's oh, a curmudgeon and a, he is a man who takes no shit. And yeah. that's uh, interesting to me. So Both the parents are really good. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's listen to this clip. I'm just going to get washed. Oh, well, you can stop mucking then. I'm telling you, don't walk me. I'm just about fed up with you, with your hiding and your meddling ways and all other things besides. Why, what's up? What's up? What are you doing with that letter from your mother's? What letter? That letter that you promised to post to her for housewife's choice. Well, I told her I wasn't posted it. You posted bloody nothing. I did post it. Uh, just That's just the rough copy. Don't come telling me your lies. I found this upstairs in the wardrobe. Hey, what about them calendars as well? What calendars? I'll give you what if you don't stop saying. What, what to me, young man? You can't keep your hands off nothing, can you? But I've got it all from Councillor Duxbury. And what have you been doing with their petty cash? You've made me into a bloody laughingstock. And where's that monkey wrench out of my garage? I don't know. What would I want with a monkey wrench? What do you want with 200 calendars? You're not right in your bloody head. But I'm not right. I'm not right. Look, I didn't want to wipe for Shadrach and Flaming. Don't bloody me. shout at me. I'll knock you into the middle of next week. God, give me strength. Strength? He wants to give you some sense. Yeah, like a bloody Mary Ann. You ought to be grateful. You've got a job in an office. Grateful, grateful, grateful for this, grateful for that. That's all I've ever heard. Grateful you let me go to the grammar school. But I think that once since the first day I went there. Well, it's a chance we never had. And don't we bloody well know it. I've got to be grateful for my own scholarship. And what did you say when I came running home to tell you I'd won it? That you'd have to pay for the uniform and I'd have to be grateful. And I'm supposed to be grateful to Sharrack and Stinking Duxbury for letting me sit at one of the rotten stinking desks all day. Well, you took the bloody job on and you'll stop there till all that money's paid back. Look, I'm not. I'm leaving. What do you mean you're leaving? I'm going to London. London? What the hell do you think you can do in London? Right, script. Don't talk so bloody wet. You want to do a proper day's work. Who's going to run this business when I'm gone? Look, you once told me you didn't want me in the business. Only because you were too bloody idle, that's all. Somebody's got to carry it on. Who's going to keep your mother? You're not retiring, are you? I'll give you a kick up the backside if you talk to me like that. I'm not arguing about it, Dad. I'm going. Go, then. I'm finished with you. Well, that's a pretty big blow-up at the end. Yeah, for sure. And then he gets another great scene following that with his mother when he goes to the hospital yeah. uh, for his grandmother. She says a great line there where she says, like, you know, You've got this briefcase, and and you might think you you're leaving everything, but really you're just taking all your problems with you. Yeah, yeah, no, that is a great line for sure. Mm-hmm. Like um, the, she literally says, like your the problems are just packed in your briefcase. Though. Yeah, because he, he is, and she makes a good point because he's not addressing anything. He's just taking off and hoping that he can avoid the problems. And obviously, you know, he decides to stay, so he's gonna have to deal with them one way or the other. But it's a double edged sword, right? He decides to stay. Maybe it's part to deal with his consequences, but also maybe it's because he's still not mature enough to really make a bold decision. Yeah. And and the acting in that scene. So he gets on the train with Liz. Yeah. And he's very uncomfortable, clearly, because he's realizing he's so close to doing something bold like this. And he's making excuses like, oh, do you need something to drink? Oh, yeah. uh, maybe I should go get something. Oh, maybe I should do this. And then he says, no, I'll go get a milk. I'll go get a milk. Yeah. And he goes off the train. He clearly is stalling for time. Well, because he, he, he takes his bag with him because his bag's on the platform when he when he misses the train. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes off to get a milk, and she doesn't want milk. She's like, I don't need a milk. I got cigarettes. He's like, oh, I'll get one. It'll be really quick. It'll be really quick. 
Oh God, I just I I want to smoke everywhere. I watch old movies like this, man, and I just want even watching. So I've been watching Squid Game recently, which is a Korean show. And God damn it, everybody smokes in that show when they can. Uh, the main character smokes. This girl smuggles smokes in her vagina. It's great. It's fantastic. I gotta check out Squid Game. I gotta get on it. Yeah, I gotta get on that uh, on that tack. Um, but yeah, and so he he even like he does this whole thing where he kind of. S- kind of semi runs after the train like oh no i missed it uh, and Ju- julie christie is her performance is solidified oh, so in good. this moment because you know exactly what she's feeling you know exactly what she thinks so watching just her face just she just look. is like yep this is this is him this is billy he's just fucking off mm-hmm. she yeah. does she's not mad about it she just understood that this was a possibility and that possibility is has happened yeah just from that one look it's very yeah. like uh like Bob Hoskins in The Long Good Friday, yeah. just acting with facial expressions. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Maybe less intense than that, but still very clear. For a shorter period of time, but the same idea. Oh, I'd watch that movie. I watched that scene on repeat. He's so fucking good in that. The Long Good Friday? Ah, oh, Bob Hoskins. Why did you have to die, you asshole? Yeah, well, he clearly wasn't that Fucking smart. idiot. Yeah, he's he Fucking was. dummy. No, he was, because he died. Uh, God. He didn't, he, he could find out, he found out who framed Roger Rabbit, but you know what he didn't find out? The secret to everlasting life. That's right. Folks, we guarantee you we will never die. Brendan and I are alive forever. This will age horribly in, I don't know, three months? Maybe, but, but what if we're still doing this podcast 200 years from now, Brendan? Eventually, they will create a pill that makes you live forever. And eventually, we will run out of uh, British movies to watch. So then we'll start South African movies. You know what? I'll take it because I just want to see all the eras. Okay. I want to keep having different lovers. Ooh. I want to make my way across the world walking. Oh, you want to be like that guy who's still doing it? Terry Fox? No, there's some dude that like started walking. He wanted to circumnavigate the earth on foot, and he started in like 1998, oh. and he's still going. Oh, Jason. J- J- Jason, can you can you come here for a second? Sure. That's the movie Forrest Gump. Oh. Is it? Yeah. Shit. That's not real life. It's a good movie, though. Mm. Is it still good, though? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should rewatch it one day. We should. I mean, that might be a good, uh, a good uh, uh, Brit pick because it's super British. It is very British. But Jason, yeah. So stuff happens in this movie. Yeah, we talked about a lot of it. I do. I want to mention one person we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, uh, Findlay Curry, who plays Counselor Duxbury, mm. who is very much an old school. Like he's he's one of these characters that that is an old guy who loves nothing more than regaling everybody about stories about when he was a kid or when he was younger. Like he also clearly did not grow up rich. No. Because of his dialect, his yeah, accent, absolutely. right? No, he's clearly a lower-class dude. Yeah. And w- interesting fact I learned about this movie is that when he got the role to do this movie, as he was filming it, he had lost his last surviving daughter shortly before this movie started filming. So they had, you know, they were having trouble with him a little bit just because he was having trouble getting the performance down. Now, I think his performance is great. He eventually did get it out, but goddamn, that must have been tough. Like, just losing your daughter, your last surviving daughter. No parent should outlive their children. And, and he had lost multiple daughters. That's terrible. That's terrible. It's fucking nuts. Also, I wanted to mention Finley Curry, too, because he is technically an old friend of ours because he was the uncredited narrator of Whiskey Galore. There you go. Fun times. Fun connections. Here on For Screen and Country. And Country. Um, okay, well, Jason, any other big things you want to mention? Not offhand, but we've got uh, bits and bobs coming up, so if I miss them, we will cover it then. Well, stay tuned, because we're going to be right back after some ads here at our, uh, at our, at our, at our podcast station. Age of radio. Oh, I'm spent. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jason doesn't have bits and bobs. There are no bobs by bits in Jason. I realized I said no bobs by bits and Jason, but that's part of the bit or the bob. But Jason's not ready. He doesn't have any bits and bobs because my name is Billy Liar. He's got lots of bits and bobs. But I'm, I'm saying the opposite of that because my name is Billy Liar. Bits and bobs with Jason. If he's on Cameo, could we just pay Elliot Kalen to do a song for us every week? And I would. Then, I and would. then we don't have to have you trying to do him. I'm not. I just <laughs> was a song. It was a good song. Thanks. It was a good song. I, it, although, but the, the answer to your question is if he was, yes, I would pay okay. for it every week. All right. I mean, hey, he needs the money. He's very bad with money. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you, are you doing that so you're not stereotypical? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. He's terrible with money. Gr- very funny. Terrible with money. Uh, Billy Liar. So my first note says, nice clock. Because right. we see a nice clock at the beginning of well, the movie. Well, God save the screen. That's right. Uh, uh, Tommy and Julie. We love them. What? Tommy and Julie. <laughs> Tom it was nice to see them reunited Absolutely. because in Zhivago I mean, they were an item. Was it reunited? Was this after Zhivago? Well, for us, it's reunited. Sure, but I'm wondering, what year was Zhivago? Zhivago was 64, I believe. Okay, so they, they reunited for that. Yeah, um, Yeah. so uh, I was reminded, I didn't mention this during the show, but I was reminded of The Wall watching this movie. because The WCW wrestler from 2000? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, the, the 1979 album by Pink Floyd. Oh, not Donald Trump's border wall? Uh, not that wall, no. Okay. The, the, the famous progressive rock classic. Uh, because that is about a guy who thinks he's a fascist dictator as well. So I got that vibe from it. I wonder if Roger Waters saw this movie. Roger, I know you're listening. Let me know. Did you see Billy Liar and then write the wall? That's what I want to know. My my first big thing is I love the um I love that when he's fir- when we first meet his world of ambrosia, mm. um which he's not always in by the way sometimes he's just a criminal getting arrested and being thrown yeah he's like different roles yeah. in ambrosia he can be anybody he wants to be but I love in ambrosia when they're all doing the left handed salute and he says the origin of the left handed salute is very interesting and he basically says like it stems from this battle where everyone that survived came back with only a left yeah hand. they lost they, they, or they yeah they they lost their right arms yeah uh, improbably. <laughs> right. Racist grandma. Yeah. She, she says at one point, oh, we've got a bunch of darkies. Uh, yes, yes. Because, yeah. But then later in the movie, too, when she's in the hospital, the mom makes some comment about, oh, she's with the black doctor. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, of course, when she's dead, I'm like, oh, my God, did the black doctor kill her? <laughs> Was that the implication? Jason, this movie has converted you. I know. I got, yeah, no, I'm white nationalist now. This movie made me one. Sorry, guys. But I think also, like, in that scene where the grandma's uh, rambling on about, like, oh, there's so many black people here now, um, I think Tom Courtney, like, or Billy even says, like, oh, ignorant. Make yeah. some comment about being ignorant. Yeah, so he's, he's the, mildly progressive, at least. Yeah, yeah, the movie's not on her side. <laughs> I mean, this is, no, uh, this is no taste of honey, but there we go. Yeah, there you go. Uh... Oh, I, I appreciated that the hearses have radios in them. Oh, how 
Shadrach has a whole like yeah. uh, like a dis- dispatch. Yeah, he's got like a lingo and he calls in to keep track of them and it's like, do you really need to know that if where the hearse is at any given dead time? Dead body at first, dead body at first. Pick him up, pick him up, pick him up. Yeah. Uh, he is a guy that would love GPS tracking, that dude. Oh, yeah. Man, he missed out. Sucks, because I'm sure most people in this movie are dead, but Julie and Tommy are still alive, and that's what matters. That's crazy. They're both, uh, I hope they're both doing well. I hope they do a movie together one more time. By the way, there is a thing here I connected with a lot. Yeah. There's a moment when, <laughs> I thought you were going to make some horrible joke, and my mind was racing there. There's a moment where Tom Courtney, or Billy goes, uh, he closes his eyes when he walks down the street, and he's like, if I can just do this one thing, then everything else will work out. I've totally done that as like mm. a weird like inner a monologue thing. Yeah. Like I've been like, oh, so if I'm walking down the street and if I uh, if I could walk from here to here and not stop in, step in any cracks with my eyes closed, it means my life's going to be cool. And I'll say that to myself yeah. and then I'll do it. And then I'll be like, all right. I'm all good now. It's a weird thing. I've, I've done it. You might be obsessive compulsive, Brendan. I don't, I don't think there's a might. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I love the jazzy soundtrack in this movie. Yeah, it's not Homeland, but it'll do. Does Homeland have a jazzy soundtrack? Homeland has a, a jazz theme. Oh. Oh. It's a good show. Check it out. I'm sure it's great. Uh, I love the jazzy soundtrack. Does it was Did Darling also have a jazzy soundtrack? It, I know they met the jazz guys in that movie. It, di- it did. Darling did have a jazzy soundtrack. I also just remembered the scene in Darling when Julie Christie's like, there's a colored couple upstairs. Yeah. It's ever so exciting. Yeah, yeah she's, she's very, well, she's positive in her racism at least. Well, I heard maybe her just like ignorance. I like the funeral director in this movie, Shadrach. He just he got this dry sarcasm about him that is very British and I enjoy very much. Where he's just like, "Well, we might have to have a talk about what's going on." Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Billy is very good at fake phone calls. Yes, <laughs> uh, because he has to call Pioneer. He calls uh, Mr. Boone, Danny Boone, uh, to impress his friends because he's pretending like he's got the job and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, clearly, that's not what's happening on the other end. But he makes he sure makes a convincing show of it. And actually, Jason, why don't we just play this one last clip? Because sure. I do, I do want to hear his fake phone call. Hello? Uh, reception? Uh, can I speak to Mr. Boone, please? Uh, Danny Boone? Uh, will, you, will you tell him it's Mr. Fisher? Got that job? You have. Yeah, script writer start next week. You jummy devil, how much are you paying you? Well, uh, we haven't discussed terms yet, but uh, it's still a lot more than I'm getting here. I'm sorry, caller. Mr. Boone's not taking any calls at the moment. Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Boone? Uh, uh, Fisher, this end. Uh, uh, very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, that's marvellous, yes. Look, I don't want to bother you at the moment, but I was wondering, uh, would uh, three o'clock this afternoon be a good time for me to come and see you? Oh, oh good. Here, I'll bring some of my material. Of course I will, yes. Uh, then Nell Gwynsweet, is it? Yes, I, I thought so. Oh, that's marvellous. Well, uh, look forward to seeing you then. Uh, fine. Bye. I like the bit where she goes, uh, where he runs into his friend's mom, and then, yeah, and then he claims that uh, Barbara is his sister. And, and she's like, I know very well who Barbara is. And he kind of gets caught in a lie, and he just runs away. <laughs> that was a good part, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Billy's a real coxman. Yeah. Really working that cock all around. Uh, yeah, clearly, and, and uh, yeah, it, Okay, here's something. So when he's on the phone there and you, you hear the person hang up, you hear the dial tone. Obviously, Britain has a different dial tone than we have here. We have a tone. They just have kind of a, a growl, almost like a... Um, one thing that pisses me off about British telephones, Brendan, 
Oh, shit. Here yeah, it goes. Here we go. Uh, one thing that pisses me off about British telephones is that when they call in, when, whenever in a movie I hear a British telephone call someone, the, the, the ringtone sounds like a busy tone here because it goes boop, boop. Mm. Boop boop, and that's what we would get similarly to a busy tone here. So I, if I was in Britain, I would call someone and immediately hang up because I would think they were busy. So that's the only reason you don't enjoy the film, The Deadly Absolutely. Bees. Yes, no wonder. Wait, is that a good Nicholas Cage in it? No, this is The Deadly Bees. Uh, the dogs meet. Have you seen it? No, it's, it's a good movie. I'll, I'll take a, your word. There's a, there's a guy at the end who just walks towards the door mm-hmm. during the credits at the end. We've never seen him before. He just shows up and he just, <laughs> it's, it was on an episode of Mystery Science Theater and uh-huh. they literally have one of them saying, hello, I'm here for the film. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they questioned if there was a credit for a weird guy at the end. Because <laughs> that's all he is. God damn it. I got to watch that The episode. Deadly Bees. Check it out. Was that a new or an old Mystery Science Theater? Uh, mid to late. Oh, like old, old series. Old mid, series. Mid okay. to late though. Not a Jonah Ray. No, and not, I don't think a Joel, I think a Mike. A Mike. I, 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 I like Mike. Bit of a conservative, but I like Mike. But he, but, but I think not someone who's th- that kind of person. I don't know. We'll see. One of these days. What? If he goes on Alex Jones, we'll know. I don't think he would. Uh, I won't threaten you. I'll flatten you. I'll say that one. Again, I like that. And I like that in that lower class voice that Rita has. She's like, oh, I won't threaten you. I'll flatten you. I've got a question. Did everybody bring their own shopping carts for that supermarket opening? Yes. Everyone was in line with their own carts. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. You would buy your own shopping cart in those days. Why not? Okay. Um, I like that uh, that uh, Billy and his buddy actually wrote that song that was being sung at the... Oh, the Twisterella. Yeah. Because at one point, Billy says, oh, I wrote this song. Yeah. And my friend, and he's kind of singing And that sounds along. like total bullshit yeah. based on the way he's acting it's in the movie. The, I think it's the only truthful thing. Yeah. One of the only like things. singing along with it. And you're like, oh, so because he, he's probably been here a million times. Yeah. But then the the guy the guy announcer is like, written of course by this guy and Billy Fisher. And you're yeah. like, what? Wait, wow. what? He did it. So he's got a little bit of writing talent. Yeah. Uh, I like the dance hall that they're in because that's so reminiscent of a different time. Because these days, Brendan, if we go to like Nikki Z's, is that what it's still called? Uh, no, Club Chrome. Yeah. If we, we go to like club, a bunch of old geezers. We do, but if we go to like Club Chrome or something like a dance club, like it's dark and people are dancing and whatever. This is like a dance hall, so there's like full lights and everybody's dancing around and doing a fucking conga and having a great time. Some of them are drinking, some of them aren't. Most of them are probably drinking. Yeah, but it's just you, it's a different vibe it's than a different today. vibe. This the kind of vibe is if if you go with your buddy and a random, you know, twenty something year old woman comes up and grinds on your buddy's dick and then grinds on your dick and then waves and says goodbye. That's the kind of club we have. Then you're Eskimo brothers, right? I, I think so. I think that's how I'll it works. I'll have to ask Dave. Ask Dave. Dave will know. Uh <laughs> why do you say it so knowingly? Dave knows. He knows. Uh let's see here. Uh uh Billy finds any excuse in life to avoid trying, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I think I, I, I connect with that where the idea of it's like if you try, then you can fail. And if you fail, then what does that make you? Right. He's so scared of failing that he wouldn't he'd rather just lie rather than actually try to do something. And that's maybe his his pathos. Is that the word at heart? Perhaps. I think so. I also notice um, the uh, when when he's when he's talking to Barbara about and he's trying to get that ring from her and they're talking about all oh, the nice house they'll have at the white picket fence. And mm-hmm. it's so like good natured. <laughs> his fantasy is a lot sexier than that yeah like when he's thinking about it she's like in this revealing like top and he they're like in bed together and she and, and, you know she's like oh we'll have a nice picket fence in the garden and he's mm. just imagining them like going to town on each other yeah and then his hand ends up on her leg and she is like whoa yeah that's too much for her that's not what jesus intended no 
we see a mirror on the wall at one point that's kind of like, I think it was in, was it The Servant? Yes. Yeah, they had a cool like mirror on the wall. I wrote Kind Hearts, but it wasn't that. It was The Servant. The Servant. Yeah, I like those mirrors. We don't, nobody has those anymore. No. Guys, uh, uh, fellas, ladies, everyone, get some more mirrors like that. Jason, would you support that statement? Sure. Okay. Everybody get mirrors. Uh, the last kind of basic note I have is that when he goes into the train station at the end of the movie, he goes into the cafe. It reminded me of the cafe from Brief Encounter. It me too. very similar. <laughs> me too. Yeah. And I, I'm, I was, I'm sure we've seen it even in other movies. I was going to write it down, but then I was like, is it that place? And I that, mean, it's probably not the same place, but I bet you those cafes all look pretty similar. I was like, it could be. Yeah. It could be just redressed a little For bit. For sure. Yeah. I like the scene where um, Billy meets up with Duxbury at one point. Yeah, out in the woods or like on a on a random trail. Yeah, and and he's kind of Duxbury gets the vibe that Billy's making fun of him a little bit with his like voice, mm. and he's like, "No, no, no, boy, there's no reason to mock me." He's like, "You know, I grew up poor and I ended up here," and he's like, "But that's no reason to mock me. Just talk like yourself, be yourself. That's what truly makes you cool." <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah, I do have a note that I just remembered. Uh Billy's a fucking idiot. Because he has to get rid of those calendars, which he never got rid of. He just fucking stowed them in his wardrobe. So what does he do? Rather than like throwing them in a fireplace or dumping them in like a fucking garbage can somewhere, he takes them back to fucking work. He takes it back to the funeral home and tries to flush it down the toilet and clogs the toilet in the process. Which doesn't that feel like a very like... 90s teen comedy thing. Yeah, yeah, something dumb like that. But also the idea that they're stupid enough not to realize that they could fuck the toilet up, and that's a bigger problem than what they're dealing with. But literally, he could have just dropped it in any bin on the way to work. That's what they say in Britain, bin, right? Bin. Yeah, in, in, in the garbage, that's what they say, the refuse. garbage. Refuse. Ooh, uh, refuse. Ooh. Um, I like how uh, Danny Boone kind of out Billy Liar out Billy Liar's Billy Liar because yeah. it gives him the very celebrity, like yeah. pleasant, but obviously there's no bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. bullshitting. He's just like, oh yeah, no, come see me in my office in London. We'll have a we'll have a job. Doesn't tell him where it is. No. Doesn't give him a number. <laughs> I thought he was like, I thought he was going to hand him a business card, but I don't think he did. <laughs> I like the line where uh, Billy says, "I uh, Liz says, you know, I turn over a new leaf. You got to turn over a new leaf." And he says, "I turn I turn over a new leaf every day, but the blots show through." And the last thing I just want to say, because we already talked about the last shot on the train, but I really like the one of the last fantasy sequences he have where he does kind of memorialize his grandma, mm. um, even in that world. Yeah, he but has he like said, a full like state military funeral for her. But he does have a line where he says, she was limbless from the waist down. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so even in the fantasy, even this moment, you got to make a little silly. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, ultimately, this movie is a comedy. Yeah. It's made to, it's, it's made to get you to laugh. Yeah, for sure. But Jason, I do want to mention some uh, behind-the-scenes things. Hit me. Uh, we, we can we can attribute this to this to the IMDb Tribune. John Schlesinger was originally going to cast Albert Finney. Yeah, Albert Finney originated this part mm. on stage, um, and he thought that. Um, but he thought that Tom Courtney was a less physically imposing figure yes, than Albert Finney, and that's sure. why he was more believable as this like wide-eyed kid. And I thought that that was a—I mean, I, and I'm sure Albert Finney was fantastic in the role, but yes, Albert Finney's a bit of a brute in comparison to somebody like Tom Courtney. Tom Courtney feels like he's more appropriate for this character uh, than maybe Albert Finney would have been. But again, I, I would love to have seen Albert Finney in the role, but when I think of him, I think of a more like, you know, like, what was it, Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, where, you know, he was more of like yeah, manly. A brute. Yeah, yeah, a brute. Um, this movie, uh, this movie received an A rating at the time from the BBFC, which is now known as a PG. Um, 
when they removed one line of dialogue and it mm. remains in this copy it was brought back but the one line they had they were forced to remove was when uh, Liz and Billy are you know about to start making out and she says what you wanted me to do that night remember they had to take that at line out yeah. because it was referring to sex by the way when you said the word out that was where your maritime accent came through no ah! out out um, Julie Christie, by the way, did not have a very good time filming this and nothing to do with anybody being a dick or anything. Mm. She just thought she was miscast mm. and she thought it was going to be a disaster and it was not a good, which is crazy good because her. she's fantastic. And also when you first see her and she's running around and she's walking on the street, all those people are real. They, oh. they did not know a movie was going on. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and John Schlesinger just wanted to film their genuine reactions, uh, hmm. to her. Was she known at that point? No, hardly. Okay. So she was just a beautiful lady walking down the street. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Jason, the last fun the last fact from IMDb, uh this is this film is part of the Criterion Collection Spine number one hundred and twenty one. Obviously. So check your collection, make sure you have it. There you go. Maybe you get that cool spinal tap DVD that for years cost so much money because it was out of print. Mm. It's got the commentary by the guys at a character. Well, Jason, I also have to tell you that this movie does not go to the Oscars. No. Um it does go to the BAFTAs. Ooh. Uh, it is nominated for a few things um, that it doesn't actually. Yeah, no, it doesn't win anything, but it's oh. nominated for many awards. Uh, nominated for Best Screenplay, won that year by John Osborne for the film Tom Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nominated for Best Black and White Cinematography, won by D- Douglas Slocum for The Servant. Not a uh, category they have anymore, I imagine. No. Well, I mean, yeah, it would be a very <laughs> limited. Very uh, narrow. It'd be a lot of student short films. Limited field of nominees, yeah. <laughs> Um, and there'd be controversy. There'd be like a well-known director that would keep making a black and white film. And the Just student, to win that? Yeah, the students would be like, come on, dude. Spielberg, do you really need to keep doing this? Uh, I, I think that's funny that all the winners, all the other winners here are all movies we've covered elsewhere on this yeah. podcast for the for all of these. So like I said, um, cinematography goes to The Servant. Yeah, great movie. Um, best British actor, Tom Courtney. But the winner that year is Dirk Bogard for The Servant. Nice. Uh, best British actress Julie Christie, but the winner that year is Rachel Roberts for This Sporting Life. Wow, what a packed year! Yeah, and then finally, best it's nominated for Best British Film and Best Overall Film, but both are won by Tom Jones. Damn, what's new, Pussy Cat? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, this movie made like no money in the U.S. I don't know what it made in the U.K. It was popular, mm. but in the U.S., just to give you an idea, made about twenty-two thousand bucks. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was probably not a widely seen movie, probably an art house movie uh, in that era. Uh, but the reviews, Jason, were great. Yeah. Uh, Empire Magazine said uh, Tom Courtney is skulking between temerity and timidity, callousness and innocence. Tom Courtney dominates the picture, whether defrauding his employers or duping his trio of girlfriends. But the most memorable moment remains the sight of Julie Christie on the train to London, watching Courtney shrugging on the platform and settling for the mediocrity he despises and probably deserves. Uh, the movie's ending was considered by a film critic uh, named Philip French, who sounds like a great fun guy at parties, mm. uh, as a pivotal moment in British cinema. Um, somebody else said social mobility brought the film to life while director John Schlesinger was solidly Hampstead. Waterhouse was a dropout from Osmond Thorpe Council School Leeds and star Tom Courtney, the son of a whole dock worker. Hmm. Uh, as the box office boomed, a daydreamer might have conjured up a British film industry filled with working class actors and writers, maybe even directors and producers too. Damn. So there you have it. 
Jason, I know we both liked it, but wrap it up. What do you think? I, I like this movie. This movie's very funny. It's very engaging. It's very uh, pretty quick paced for a movie of the era. It's kind of a very modern approach to editing and, and the fantasy sequences. Like, this is a really cool movie and highly recommend it to anybody that should check it out. We've had a really good run here. I feel like a broken record, Brendan, but we've seen some really fucking good movies in the last few weeks. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's great. So check this out. It's funny because I think I said originally our our previous 20 run was the was seeming to, seemingly the strongest but mm. i think this one is 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 worth a there haven't worth been a many look. duds in here no even the movies we don't like as much are still pretty darn good yeah something like far from the madden crowd yeah. is still pretty solid oh absolutely so i mean yeah spoiler alert for my rankings maybe <laughs> um no this movie's great i would actually go so far as to say out of darling Far From the Madden Crowd, Sunday Bloody Sunday, and this, of all the John Schlesinger yeah. movies, I think this one's my favorite. Agreed 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's just, it, it's, it, it just the pacing is so good. The jokes are funny. It's a comedy that holds up, which is difficult. Yeah, that's a very it's tough, like, tough move on anybody's part. 1963, Jason. Yeah. Like, this is a movie, I like, legit laughs. Yeah. Like, I genuinely laugh several times. And, uh, and, and it's also effective. In, in the dramatic moments. Absolutely. So I would say yes. I would say yes. Yes. This film shall move on to the list. Yay. And you were saying to me off air that you you said it might have been one of the best comedies on this list. Yeah, I think of, of, of the comedies that we've watched on this list, this definitely stands out as being one of the funnier ones for sure. I mean, you know I wasn't a fan of most of those Ealing comedies and... Like I say, but it's it and and even stuff that I did like, like Passport to Pimlico and I'm All Right Jack, they didn't make me laugh quite as much as this one. Yeah. So uh, props to this movie. All right. Well, there you go. Props to this movie. Put it on the box. Uh, that's going to do it. But Jason, normally at this point, we would uh, draw the next movie out of an envelope, but we don't really need to we do that. We don't need to. Because we know that there's only two movies left on the list. This has been a long journey, Brendan, and we are almost at the end of it. We are almost at the end of it. Our our next movie that we are going to talk about is number 97 on the BFI Top 100. How how apropos that it's something near the end of the list anyway. Yeah, really. Almost 99. Almost. <laughs> Not carry on with the Kyber. No, though. no. Uh, but this is number 97 on the list, and this is a movie called Nil by Mouth. It is. Uh, it was made in nineteen ninety. It was released in nineteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. It's one of the later ones, and is directed but not starring Gary Oldman. Yes. Um, and uh, stars Ray Winstone. Oh, I do love Ray Winstone, yes. Sexy Beast, of course. Yes. Well, I mean, your, your editorial of Ray Winstone's appearance aside, um, <laughs> the film Sexy Beast. Was he's a schlub, but he's a good schlub. Yeah. No. 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 We'll talk about that. So we'll talk about that next week. All right. I can't Nil wait. By mouth. Gary Oldman, great actor. We'll see what kind of director he is. Yeah, let's maybe we'll maybe our joke next week, Jason. Maybe our joke next week will be like, you know, for a director, he's a pretty good actor. Hey. Hey. But Jason, uh, you can find us on social media. We're all us. over the place. Find us at F F S A C Pod on uh, on Twitter. Um, that's for Screen and Country Pod yep. Cast. Um, Jason, they can find you on Twitter. I am at Jason D. McLeod. That is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. I'm kicking around. I'm retweeting. You might see a Blaine Capache retweet. You might see uh, uh, a First Screen in Country retweet because I promote. I promote. You promote from within. That's right. And that's right. why, Jason, I have a surprise for you. Ooh. I've just promoted you to full-time editor. Yay. Wait. So here's the files. Oh, no. 
for the next four episodes. Oh, God. Get cracking. Can I get an old? Can I get a twenty-year-old version of Adobe See, Audition? See, I knew this day was coming, <laughs> so I saved you like ten episodes that I haven't gotten to yet. Sweet. This isn't going to be good for me, <laughs> or the listeners. No. <laughs> <sighs> no, but seriously, you're promoted. You're now um, captain of uh, the Lithuanian uh, lifeboat patrol. Awesome. I've always wanted that job. I'm happy to have it. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and also, of course, we are on uh, we're on the Facebook. Just search for, for Screen. And Gundre. And we're places. Find we're us. everywhere. We're on all the podcast apps. You got this. Age of Radio, of course, ageofradio.org. Our homepage, our, our landing page. Stop on by. Say hello. Stop on by. Say hello. Stop. And by, and by say hello, I mean shout at your computer monitor. Yes, and then record it and then email it to us at forscreenandcountry at gmail.com because I don't like getting those fake ads about a fake credit card that yes. I don't have. I would like to see uh, emails from people that I actually want to respond to. Also, by the way, I'm an old man thinking that people still uh, read articles on desktop computers with monitors. I have a monitor. I'm Me too, but too. we're old men. We're old men. Yeah. So that being said, Jason, I just have to say to you, we'll talk about nail by mouth next week we and will. also God save the queen god save the screen and for screen and country i'm brendan and i'm jason or maybe i'm jason or maybe i'm brendan i lied oh then i'm just an asshole hello boys it's me daniel day lewis no no fighting we got the refugees no fighting no fighting Shakira, Shakira. I never really knew that she could dance like this. Hey. She make a man wanna speak Spanish. Como se llama? Hey. Bonita. Hey. Picasa. Shakira, Shakira. Oh, baby, when you talk like that, you make a woman go mad. So be wise and keep on reading the signs of my body. I'm on tonight, you know my hips don't lie. And I'm starting to feel it's right. All the attraction, the tension. See, baby, this is perfection. Hey, girl, I can see your body moving. And it's driving me crazy. And I didn't have the slightest idea until I saw you dancing. And when you walk up on the dance floor, nobody can at the door. The way you move your body just move. And everything's so unexpected, the way you write and left it. So you can keep on checking it. I never really knew that she could dance like this. She make a man want to speak Spanish. Como se llama?